0: Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome to Episode 114. Today we have Coach Jay Blossom. Jay Blossom just finished his 20th year of coach of Webster Grove High School boys basketball program in Webster Groves, Missouri. During his 20 years at the helm of the Statesman basketball program, he compiled a record of 447 and 122. He won 17 consecutive conference championships, recorded 16 16 consecutive seasons of at least 20 victories, second all-time in Missouri history, won eight district championships, appeared in six state quarterfinals. Rattled off a state record streak of 83 consecutive conference victories from 2001 to 2013, won 53 consecutive home games from 2003 to 2008, second all-time in Missouri history, and won the 2008, 2017, and 2018 Missouri Class 5 state championships. Blossom retired with a career record of 508 and 193 in 25 seasons as a head coach. Coaches, I'm really excited to be talking with Jay. I, I just think we get these coaches uh, from other states, and particularly Missouri, which I love that state. I think they have just a great basketball tradition. Uh, he's going to really give us give us a lot of advice on not only his man-to-man defense, but he really teaches uh, team toughness. And he's going to give us a lot of ideas and drills that – what we can do to kind of toughen up our program, get our kids mentally and physically tougher, I think he's going to really help us out. Um, and, of course, during this time, you know, we don't have basketball right now, but this is a great time for learning, and I got some unbelievable coaches lined up for you. And Jay is one of the best in the country, great clinician, takes, speaks at a lot of clinics every year. So, coaches, let's welcome Jay Blossom. Jay, how are you doing today? Welcome. Welcome. Hey, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. I I, I appreciate you on in the world today, but um, it's crazy getting,
1: times, isn't it? Cr-
0: crazy times. i you know I've been watching CNA. Of course, our school got out. Um, half half we're, we're, we're half day today, and we're going to complete online learning.
1: See, we're yeah, we're on spring break, but then they told us yesterday uh, we're out until April third. Right, and They told us a little bit before we got on spring break to be aware of it. I don't think teachers have no idea what the expectations are. I've got kids that don't even have computers. I mean, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a freaking train wreck.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think we're all learning. I think the, the whole country is. Hey, we just we just haven't been in this spot. This is brand new. Yeah. I guess this is history for us. I guess. Yeah, without um,
1: a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy, man. I mean, it's absolutely so weird with those sports and just, I don't know, hard, hard to put into words.
0: Yeah, yeah, and there's no doubt. AJ, I, I've already given a brief overview of your great career and so forth, but if you can kind of just brief us on how you got involved in the game and uh, just kind of give us a brief overview of your your career, if you had an absolutely great career. And um, just, ta- just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Well, i originally from Columbia, Missouri, and I went to Central Missouri State and wasn't a very good player. So I went to Central Missouri State and became a student manager um, for Lynn Nance and Jim Woolridge who kind of got my start. And they kind of helped me get my – or Jim Woolridge helped me get my first job in a little town called Northwest Hughesville. Uh, got engaged with my wife there. and She wasn't moving there, so moved to the St. Louis area and spent – eight years at Waterloo High School over in Illinois, and then was fortunate enough to get the, uh, the Webster-Groves job 21 years ago. And, um, you know, last year I finished my 20th year at Webster and decided to kind of hang it up here for a few years. My daughter's uh, a volleyball player at Penn State and really wanted to have the opportunity to watch her play and travel around and, and did that last year or last fall and had a blast. And really looking forward to the next two years of doing that, and we'll see what happens from there.
0: Yeah, I really admire that because we all know coaching such a grind, and um, I just think that's cool of you to, to really focus on family first. Correct?
1: Yeah, you know what? The first year I tried to do both, and um, it, it was just hard. And you know, you're, yeah, we, I mean, it, people know how hard it is coaching basketball and the time commitment stuff. And I didn't feel, you know, I felt like I was cheating my kids a few times, and and also I, I missed some of her games, which I didn't want to do, and. Um, I said I wanted to try it, and to me, I just I couldn't do both the way I wanted to at the at the highest level. So, uh, fortunately, my assistant, just Samantha, got the job, and you know I'm, I'm I'm happy where the program's still headed, and and you know I'm happy I get to see her play.
0: Yeah, but it, I know, I know I'm sure the coaching blood's still in there. You're probably coaching uh you're probably you're you're probably coaching a lot on the sideline to so see just that probably not being outwardly I'm sure, but hey we're all within our blood right we you know we gotta it's it's hard to go away from it, but I think it's probably the best thing for your uh just for your family overall. I'm really impressed with that
1: well thank you. i appreciate that i mean i it was to be honest it was an easy decision, and after this first year it was uh, it was even made easier. I, just, I said I had so much fun doing it. But, yeah, I mean, I still watch games thinking as a coach, you know, what teams are doing on ball screens and, and you know, just all of those types of things. They stay with you. You're still looking to learn different ideas and stuff. And, you know, who knows what the future holds.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure down the road. I mean, you're uh, you're too good a, great a coach and so forth. I really study you and so forth. I really like what you're doing. I, I'm going to steal a lot of your ideas if that's okay with you.
1: Hey. I stole most of the stuff I had, so you're more than welcome. That
0: <laughs> well, Coach Rippey was—I tell you what—what what a joy to talk to him. And he was, you know, he thought really highly of you, and so forth. Um, you know, he, he spoke about—I guess he—I guess you stole a state championship from him, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it was an,
1: an incredible—you know, kind of kind of a cool story. It, you know, uh, I've known him for a while. We kind of came close. His daughter was actually starting setter at Arkansas for four years and just finished up. And so we kind of had that in common. That's, you know, that's what my daughter does at Penn state. So kind of became friends over that. And then, yeah, probably one of the best games I've ever been a part of the state semifinal game where we kind of had a lead and they came back and took the lead. And then fortunately I happened to have a, a really good player, in Courtney Ramey who went coast to coast and got an and one and we, and we won by one, but I mean, an incredible semifinal game and, yeah, if I was him, I would feel like we still won from him. I agree.
0: <laughs> um, and I'm going to ask you later about, you know, what are some keys? You, you've you won three state championships in over 500 games. You got to have, I just don't think you go into those state tournaments blind. I think your, your, your coaches that win state championships, always, they have great team. they have great players, but there's I think there's a certain format, a certain principles you guys abide by, and maybe you don't change a thing. So, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Who, who are some of your coaching mentors that has had a great impact on you? Because I know there's a lot of great coaches out there.
1: Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough. You know, I had my 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 first principal at Northwest Hughesville, uh, Warren Ripley, was a longtime coach and kind of took me under, my, under his wing. You know, because I, I basically went in. I thought I knew a lot. And my first year I went four and 21. I figured out I did know a lot. And looking back on it, I think that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. uh you know, just to show how much, you know, how much further I had to go, how much harder I had to work. Uh, David Fox, longtime coach at uh, Jeff city high school now has the show me games in Missouri was really good to me. And, uh, is still a great friend. And then I I've had some great assistant coaches who have helped me along the way. And, and Chris Neff, who's at Kansas city state of high school, just won a, uh, a national championship with Mocan 17s last year at the peach jam. And, uh, and Scott Stalkup, who was with me for about 15 of my 20 years at Webster, uh, you know, just an unbelievable basketball mind. So I've had many, many others, but those are the ones that really stick out that have had a, a huge influence on my coaching career.
0: Yeah, and tell me, you know, give me some because I, I've had I I know a lot of great coaches and I've picked one or two things out from them that I use in my program now. What what is something that you picked out, you know, maybe even from a David Fox or or Chris Naff that, that you use today as a big part of your program.
1: Well, the the biggest thing I got from, from those guys early on was an emphasis on, on pressure man to man defense. And that just kind of became that kind of became my bread and butter of all the teams I've coached. You know, we're we're gonna defend like crazy. We're gonna spend, you know, the beginning of our practice, the first hour or so on defense, <clears throat> our defensive breakdowns and stuff along those lines. So it it kind of helped me and and that's one thing I've learned over time. You know, when I first got into coaching, I would go to those clinics and, you know, everything looks great on paper and everything looks great when they run it five on. Oh, but finally, you know, and I, any young coach, I would encourage, you know, less is more and keep it simple, stupid. And, and, and those things, it sounds easy to do, but once you, once you commit to that and focus on what you have, your philosophy, it makes it a lot easier to become a better coach, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I think, and I, I'm probably as guilty as anybody. I like changing defenses and things like that. I I think sometimes I outsmart myself. I mean, you know, sometimes we we overthink things. So is that is that a big problem with many coaches?
1: Well, I think so. I mean, it's just and and I'm not saying switching defenses is, is bad because that's caused us problems <laughs> sometimes in the past. Sure. But, I mean, I just I just became where we were we're pretty simple what we do but I want to be really, really good at it. And, you know, we do, we do shell drill. I think those state championship years, we practiced 77, 78 times uh, both those years. And, you know, we did shell drill from day one, all the way to the very end. And uh, I think this, you know, those staple drills have become, you know, who you are as a coach and who you are as a program um, are really, really important. And that's, that's just kind of what I went with. You know, we're going to defend, we're going to rebound, we're going to try to play transition. And, you know, we, Now, because of that, we spend a lot of time. We also keep it pretty simple on offense. We try to space out and try to play advantage-disadvantage, but there's not a whole lot of uh, tricks to what we're doing offensively.
0: Yeah, and I really want to go into, because a lot of the coaches are just like me, um, you know, trying to pick up one or two things from your total program, whether that's how you define your culture, how you define your offense and defense. But before we go into that, I, I read a quote that you feel like you're a dinosaur, and that is how you coach kids, and actually scold them. You're you're really tough on your players. Why did you say that? And it, or is it the fact that most coaches nowadays are too soft?
1: Yeah, I, and I don't know if it's coaches are too soft. Is this? It, it. I don't think any. I don't think nowadays you can just start yelling at kids. And I think you know. I still think you can be hard on kids and get after kids, but. <clears throat> you have to form relationships. They have to know you love them. They have to know that you've got their back when times are tough. And, uh, and that's what coaching is. It's all about relationships. So um, yeah, I mean, I coach our kids hard, you know, from practice and games to my expectations at school and all that. But I said, I think I get away with that because, you know, they know I'm there for them. I'm always going to be there for them, you know, later in life, you know, to whatever, whatever it might be. And, I said, I think a young coach who goes in and just starts screaming and hollering, I think he's probably going to be in for a short, short career in basketball nowadays.
0: Yeah, it goes it goes way beyond the basketball court, right? Right, Jay. I mean, you got to yeah, you got to get I, to know him off the court. Give me some give me some examples of how you get to know your players better.
1: Yeah, and I was, that's what I was going to say. If 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 you're just going to, you know, hey, perhaps at two <laughs> o'clock, you show up at one fifty-five, and it's over four o'clock, and you leave at four o five, that's that's not going to work. that's that's just not going to work in today's society or it never probably did work to be honest. But, uh, you know, building relationships is just taking an interest in kids, you know, I mean texting them and seeing what they're up to and what their interests are and knowing, you know, going to, you know, if they play multiple sports, going to watch them play in their other sports, you know, going to watch them play in their local AAU games, um, you know, just kind of always being there for them, joking around after practice or, or being with them and letting them get shots up while you work them out after practice or before practice or opening the gym on a Saturday morning when, in the summer when nothing else is going on. I mean, you know, just, just little things like that to, you know, kind of start to build your family.
0: Yeah. And it's all about time, right? We all, we all have to manage our time, but I think you as a coach, what you're saying is you got to spend time with your guys. Well, in my case, I coach girls um, and I have a great assistant coach with, which helps me too. But, it takes up a lot of time doesn't it? you got to really devote that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not that's what I tell people, it's not how oh, basketball seasons, you know, three months or four months or whatever. I said now basketball seasons almost 365 days a year to be honest. <laughs> For because, sure. You know, if you're not doing something you're still thinking of something. I mean, it's just it, well, yeah, I mean coaches know that. It's just, it's just the way it is. So yeah, it's it's unbelievably time consuming you know, not just with your kids, but then, you know, outside practice planning. I mean, even to my last year, I still spent probably an hour night night just on practice planning, which, you know, and even though I, even though it ended up being about the same thing all the time, I still, you know, what I thought we needed a little more emphasis on or a little less or whatever it might've been.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. I, don't you feel like that your players will know if you don't come in with an edge and prepared? And I think you're probably one of those that you, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be prepared. My team might not, my my team might not play great, but I'm going to be totally prepared and my players are actually going to believe in what we're trying to do. Correct.
1: Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Our guys knew our philosophy. I mean, you know, our practice plan was pretty detailed. You know, I I'd always posted it on the locker room before practice. So <clears> they, knew, <throat> they knew what was coming and they knew we were ready to prepare. They knew when they come out of that locker room that, you know, my assistant coaches are going to greet them and they're going to take them to a basket and, we're going to get started on some pre-practice stuff. And it was, you know, it, it was all business and it was time to rock it out.
0: Yeah. And, Coach, I, I really want to talk about – because I really believe in this. You, you're really big. And I think it's Coach Mike Reinhardt. I think you guys started your program on tough teams win. And Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: we call it TTW, toughest team wins. Okay. And, uh, and actually Chris Neff, who's one of my assistants, came up with the idea. I talked about. Um, I guess it was our second year, and that's that's really we talk about that all the time. I mean, and what it all encompasses. I mean, it's everything from you know being first to the floor. Are you going to take a charge? Or you know, if official makes a call, how are you going to react? You know, and we we spend a lot of time on that. Knicks play, next play, next play. Which you know, basketball is not like football where you get a chance to huddle up and compose yourself. I mean, you make a mistake you better sprint your butt back and, and defend like crazy or otherwise one mistake leads to two. And it's, it's hard to get out of that. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we talk about that almost daily. Well, we do talk about it daily with our guys and, and to us, we win a lot of games, not maybe because we're better, but just, we think we're tougher. And, 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 and the other thing with that, you've got to, you know, a lot of people their idea of toughness is, you know, they're going to push somebody or elbow somebody. And, and that, that's nothing to do with toughness. I mean, that's, that's being dirty, and our idea of toughness is, you know, we're going to – no matter what the situation, we're going to be ready for it, and we're going to be prepared for it, and we're going to fight our way through it. And, um, you know, in the end, most of the time, that's going to lead to a good result for us.
0: Yeah, and you and you really have to train that, don't you, Coach? Uh, give me some examples, Uh and I, I totally believe in that because how your team plays through adversity is really a true sign of your team. How do you guys – how do you teach that? Do you do you emphasize certain things? Do you put them in disadvantaged situations? How do y'all do that?
1: Yeah. Well, first off, you know, I think all our my ex players would tell you, you know, tell you that our, our practices are much harder than any game they ever played. We don't take now. I'm not talking like water breaks, like old school Bear Bryant stuff, but <laughs> like I don't have I don't have water break scheduled in the practice. They know, like, if they're in a shell drill, and boom. You know, we switch up lines. They know to go get a quick drink, but they better be back in line when they're back up again. So the pace of our practice is incredibly fast. Uh, you know, we go from drill to drill, you know, in seconds, and and they know that. Uh, you know, in practice, we don't use out of bounds. So, you know, any loose ball, no matter where it is, it's a loose ball. Go get it. Um, you know, I you know I try to be. You know, if I want to call, you know, if I want to call fouls on guys in practice, you know, it's stopping my well to kind of make life tough on them or, I, or we won't call anything. So I think that's how you practice prepares your kids for that. Cause it's easy to go to locker room and say, all right, we're, you know, TTW, here we go. Toughest team wins. You know, all that's already been done in practice. That was done from day one, you know, and if, and if you don't do it every day, then it's, it's not part of your MO. To us, we do it every day. It's part of our MO. Like, late in the season we you know this is something I was, I was really good to us by February we practiced an hour or less sometimes and it was really hard for me to do it first but I thought it really paid off for our guys later but even when we practiced an hour it wasn't like we went easy we went as hard as we normally did if not harder but in an hour we were done
0: yeah I and I think that's so important I think we get caught up in over-preparing that time of year. Is that one of your – kind of your staples later in the year to keep your guys fresh, not only physically but mentally?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And if something – the first time we went to that was their 2008 state championship team. And I, I remember telling Coach Talk if I want to do this because the year – well, the year before, so we kind of burnt out at the end, I thought, at least a little bit. And, and I told him, I, I mean, he kick me in the butt, smack me upside the head, whatever. I want – I. We're sticking to this plan. I want to be done in an hour. And we did that. And our kids bought into it. And it wasn't just so much physically, but like you said, mentally, how much better they felt. They'd shoot after practice. And it was just, it was a whole different energy and a whole different vibe. They knew they were going to be out of there in an hour because that's a long season. You get done with Thanksgiving, you get done with Christmas, the dog days of January and February. It's been, you know, it was really good to us. And I I stayed with that, you know, the, the last 12 years of my career
0: coach give me give me your best i am a believer in taking a lot of charges, however, my team last year did not take a lot of charges and um give me and I know I would imagine when you're pressure defense you guys are probably drawing a lot of charges. I would imagine that I could be wrong, but give me some help on getting my team better at taking charge. Now, I coach girls it's a little bit different than guys, but um Give me some help and give me some things that you do to kind of improve, you know, just just protecting the paint better.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a great question. Uh, And the the funny thing about it, like the first day of practice, we'll do the old kind of charge, loose ball drill, dive on it, cut back door for a layup. But after that, we don't do so-called, you know, charge drills. But it's just when we're doing our shell, we're doing our rotation drills, we're doing our rebound, just all those types of things. You know, if if people are in position and they're not taking charges, it's just a point of emphasis. We're we're on them about it, and you know I'll have a you know I might have one of my assistant. and I've been blessed over the years to have really good assistant coaches, but you know I give them and I give them responsibilities along with that. But you know today, hey, I want to make sure you know you're emphasizing taking charges, getting yourself in position, stunting, falling back, stunt, fall back, you know square you know square your chest up and take them. So it's it's not that's kind of a unique thing because most of all the other things we do, we drill that we don't drill specifically, but it's a point of emphasis in everything we do because to us, it became, it's just such a momentum changing play, you know, that, and the way we play it's, it's, I mean, it charges everything. And, you know, some kids, and, and obviously some kids naturally, it's something they love to do. Other kids, it's not something they love to do. So, your goal is to get the kids who love to do it to do it more, and those who don't like to do it, just to get something out of them with it, and that's that's what we try to do. But like I said we don't. It's not something we drill like that. It's more point of emphasis. We talk about it throughout every drill that we do.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Emphasis is always probably more vitally important than actually actual drills sometimes, right, Coach? Uh, you,
1: well, see, yeah. I mean, charge drills are not a lot of fun. Nobody, <laughs>
0: Nobody likes those for sure.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, <laughs> a coach coming in there sticking a ball in your chest and your fault. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, and you got kids scared to death. I mean, it's just—I I don't know. I—I just—I I don't think those helped us. Now, if you got kids who don't know how to take it, you know, as far as getting their body squared and protecting themselves, you have to do that. But most of our guys just for seeing their the upperclassmen do it over the years, kind of kind of know, you know, kind of how to do that.
0: And what's the technique? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I believe in. Not as much sliding over to take a charge. My, my help defense, I teach I teach almost a run and jump, almost almost a switch when I we, we step up to take charges. Um, yeah, and we,
1: we do a lot of we do a lot of, of stunting on our defense. Like in the, we call one pass away in the gap. So, you know, we want to talking to the ball, you know, is what we call it talk to the ball, talk to the man guarding the ball. And then stunning to try to take that gap where it doesn't look so inviting to a guy, you know, penetrating. Because, you know, our goal is to cut down <laughs> on penetration. Yeah, Still pressure, but cut down on penetration. Because one of the great ways to break good pressure is to, to head downhill and try to attack it. So we try to make those guys in the gap just stunt and stunt. But I think by being active like that with their feet, instead of being flat-footed, it allows them to get in position. And and chest up and take that charge a lot easier than somebody who's flat footed. Or, you know, if you're flat footed, you're a lot a lot more likely to come over and just foul the person breaching.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna be stealing, I'm gonna be uh watching some of your video. I, I love I got some clips on your videos, and um I'm gonna put some money in your pocket. I mean, I'm gonna I, I'm definitely gonna look at your video. Um, I really love just I yeah, that. no doubt. I mean, I really like what you're doing. I heard so many great things about it. Uh and I'm really trying to add to our defensive pressure. Um, and it looks like just from just watching some clips of it and reading and talking to, uh, coach Rippey and so forth. So it's definitely highly recommended to uh, get some points, but I really want you to kind of sell your defense here to our listeners. Talk a little bit about your defensive system and what your, some of your core principles and how do you teach? it?
1: Yeah. So our core principles start with, with ball pressure. I mean, that's, the number of times I say pressure the ball in a daily practice over the last 20 years, uh, God, I have no idea, but it's a lot. I mean, and it's just, and it's just over and over and over how we teach it is, you know, we'll do our pre-practice kind of footwork, different things like that. And we'll get quite, you know, go from that to maybe a couple of quick drills and then agilities. And then we're right into our defense and our defense stuff starts with, you know, Zigzag in different ways we do zigzag uh, you know just to kind of keep it fresh for the guys to right into our shell drill after that, and we really break our shell drill down where you know we'll do you know four four position shell, then we'll do four v four cutters, then we'll go four v four down screen uh before we ever do anything live um, you know and then we finish every every <laughs> shell drill we do with with a live situation where we um you know, I'll blow the whistle and whoever has the ball, they shove it. And it forces our guys to kind of defend it. And then we, you know, stuff we started the last few years is we try to run out of that one time down and back and then boom, we're right back into, you know, the next round of shell and stuff along those lines. But, uh, and then we'll get into our rotation drills and our, and our, our blockout defensive drills. And, but really everything we do starts with defense and, I think by doing all that first in practice, our guys know, I mean, that's, that's going to be the number one thing. That's the most important thing to our program. And, um, and we just do it a lot more than we work on offense. Now, that being said, you know, I said, I've been, once again, I've been blessed with good assistant coaches, but I also give them roles. You know, like if I'm, if I'm going to be working on the ball pressure today, I've got somebody else working on making sure we block out every time those other two coaches, you know, instead of just doing shell drill where they're just passing around, you know, I expect them to coach the offense, you know, pass, outside hand, cut hard, you know, space back out. Um, so I think, and I think that makes our, our our shell defense better is that we coach our offense, our assistants coach our offense during that too. Uh, it makes it harder for the defense to, you know, to defend something. But um, I, I guess getting to your question, it's just it's so much point of emphasis on those, those core drills you know, and that's – I think that's another important for the young coaches. You know, name your drills. You know, name them. Our, our guys know rotation drill, man, they know exactly where to go. 2v2, war blockout, boom, they know exactly where to go. And that speeds up your practice and, and your and your kids – you know, your kids can kind of coach themselves as far as getting organized and stuff.
0: Yeah, and you have uh, – i you know, I see a lot of coaches with like 20 drills they're doing. I says, how do they do 20 drills? I mean – it sounds like, to me, you have certain, like you said, core DNA drills that you do, and then you do it every day and you might progress and so forth. Is that, is that what you all do?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, now, you know, somebody, or Terry Hollard, old coach, he used to tell me uh, repetition sharpens the dullest of minds. And, you know, you think about that. And as much as we do, Shell, I promise you every year that our first time we do it, it's like, I we don't know what the hell we're doing. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And we've done it, you know, the previous year we did it 72 days in a row. And and we did some in the summer. But so, you know, the more you can rep things and keep it simple, the better you're going to be. And it's so hard to do for young coaches because you got all these other ideas and you want to do all the fancy stuff. You watch the NCAA tournament. And every year there's something new. And a lot of it's good. I mean, some of it's good. I mean, all that stuff's good. But you can't do everything. And I think a lot of coaches try to do too much, and they end up doing everything so-so, right. as opposed to being really, really good at just a few things. And it's a lot easier said than done. Because my first few years, I said I would go to clinics, and everything looked really, really <laughs> good to me. You know, and then you know the clinic, you know, some guy who won two or three games, the NCAA tournament, and you're fired up about it. You just you have to establish your own philosophy and believe in it. And then and then. But so as I became older coaching and, and, and I had a lot more fun as I got older, of going to watch college coaches practice and clinics. But, you know, just see you just see something different. You listen, you know, a different teaching point on how to do shell or a different teaching point on uh, zigzag or whatever it might be. Or you see diff- a different way to do zigzag. You know, so we, I ended up with five or six different things we would do on zigzag, you know, which keeps it a little fresh for your guys. But, you know, it keeps you fresh. And, it, and it's, you know, you're, you're just learning. That's, that's, that's as you get older as a coach. You just pick up different ideas, not different philosophies. And I think that just makes you a better coach.
0: So what you're saying is, and I, I totally agree with this. So you, you just pick up things to add to your system. Not to change it, right?
1: Yeah, no, and I and that's I think that's I think that's critical to being a successful coach. You can't keep changing your ideas all the time. You can't keep going to, you know. Like I said after the NCAA tournament, there's always something new that is great. always guaranteed. Some coach did something. It was and and I'm not saying what they did was bad. It's just you can't keep changing that all the time. You you've got to you have to believe in what you're doing and go with it and then get really good at it and make your players really good at it. Doesn't mean you can't tinker. You need to tinker because if you don't, if you don't tinker, other people are going to get ahead of you. They're going to scout you out. They're going to know things. So you need to tinker. You need to continue to get better, but switching everything. I just, I don't, I think that's a recipe for disaster for most coaches. Yeah,
0: that's great advice. And, and I really, this is just what I see, and I and I guess I'm getting older. This is my going to be my 30th year of coaching. Um, but I, what I see is it, every it always boils down to just fundamental details. Um, and I'll give you an example of something that I have gone through. Um, let's say we're playing our man to man defense. Now I could easily change to a two three zone, but what I find out, hey, heck, we're not closing out very good. So we we really emphasize just the closing out the technique and, and getting the high hands and so forth. And a lot of times we try to make changes to our defense, try almost changing defense instead of making adjustments and improving your defense that you have. Do you sense that a lot with coaches?
1: Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, you mentioned closeouts. I mean, in today's game, closeouts, I mean, I think we probably did two, sometimes three closeout drills every day. I mean, that's I mean that's basketball now. I mean, you know, and, and that's what we try to do offensively. We try to, you know, just kind of advantage, disadvantage stuff. And, you know, if if somebody didn't close out fast on you, you know, you better shoot the ball. If they did close out hard, you're trying to beat them off the dribble. And closeouts are one of the hardest things to do. I mean, it's, I, you know, and that's just something that – I don't know why I got on this, but I, I just think that's something you really got to – You've got to do a lot with your kids and and teach them how to be successful and how to be good at closeouts. And if you don't do that, no matter what you teach, you're in trouble.
0: Yeah, and I, and I actually stole some a couple of your closeout drills that I saw. I really like that. Um, t- talk about a great closeout drill that you guys do. And I love just the organization of the drill. You guys are getting a lot of good movements and tents. Uh, give me a couple of your good closeout drills for the coaches here.
1: Yeah, one I like is just uh, we'll have three guys, three guys out, uh, one at the top of the key, two on the wings, and then we'll just have a line behind at, at the uh, at the baseline. And first guy will throw out the ball and close out on the on the guy on the wing. They'll swing the ball. That guy will swing the ball up top. Next guy will close out on him. The first guy will jump into the gap. And then they'll swing it to the third guy and the third guy will close out and the guy on the catch can attack and then the other two need to be in position and we'll just kind of go three V three live from there. um, Which is really good. Now this kind of gets a little bit complicated to kind of explain over, over the phone, but I mean, but we'll also do a kind of a keep a score type thing with that, where the first guy will throw it out there, close out. And it's one V one, that guy's got two or three dribbles whatever you want, limit you want to set to get both feet in the paint. Whether he does or not, he throws it to the, the guy up top. The guy on defense went, goes to offense, and whoever, if he kept him, if the defensive player kept him out of the paint, he's going to yell out one. He got himself a okay. If the offensive player got in there under control, he's going to yell out one. And it's another good way to get on your guys because they don't, they don't like to talk, you know, you better yell it out. Hey, I got one. I, I beat him. And then the second guy closes that guy out, same thing. It's one v one. All right. Two or three dribbles. If he gets both feet in the paint and he's under control, he gets a point. If the defense chest him out of there, and we let our guys get pretty physical with it, not with their hands, but with their, you know, with their legs and their and their chests and chesting up. And then the third guy does it and you just keep switching. You know, you go from you go from defense to offense. And you just keep your own score. You can play to seven. You can play to eight because I mean, guys, you have whatever. First guy to win, you know, wins. Um, it, it, it's a it's a tough drill. It's it's really really good. Just one v one, keeping guys out of the paint. Um, you know, and I, I like it a lot. Um, we do that. We do. What that do y'all call that, bit.
0: Coach? What's uh, the name of that drill?
1: Three v three no paint. Um, you know, the other one. Uh, I like to do we do two v2 skipper closeouts where uh, guys are on the uh, in the corner one on all, both corners one on offense and then the two defenders are under the basket and defense throws it to offense close out the second defender we call we call the um, uh, the uh, midline we call it the equator so they need both feet on on ball okay. side of the equator offense just kind of skips it back and forth And those two defenders, you know, the next guy, the guy who's on the equator sprints when the ball leaves that guy's fingertips, he sprints to close out his man, the, the uh, man guarding the ball sprints to the ball side equator. And we talk a lot about that. Don't, don't stand up. You're in stance. That guy passes it your first steps. You know, you're sprinting to the basket. What's what's going to happen there. I don't know, but you've got to get ball side. And we'll let him just pass it back and forth. You know, and then when the coach blows the whistle, it's live. When we play two v two, if they score, they stay on offense. Defense has got to stay on D. D gets a stop. They go to offense. Two v two skipper closeouts. It's 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 a good drill. It's hard. But it teaches your guys to sprint to help. It teaches them to have active hands. Uh, and then it's a long closeout on that skipper pass, where you know that's those are tough closeouts, long closeouts. They don't and the offense if they don't close out hard, you know you better shoot the basketball. All right. If you're going to play for us, you got to be able to shoot it some. And if they're not going to close out hard, you better be in rhythm with the jumper. And you know, it's, it's, it's a really good drill for us to be too skipper. Yeah. Out, so.
0: Hey, and that's what I want from you, coach. I, I want your best drills. It really sounds like, um, cause that's what I really try to get from all the great coaches. Like what, And there's a lot of drills out there, but what are two drills or one drill that you really believe in? And I love that. I tell you what I love about your drills it they're not drills. They're game-like actions. I mean, offense, defense, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing I, your,
0: mm-hmm.
1: your drills have to be competitive. If you want to be successful, it has to be competitive. And every drill we do is competitive. There's not one thing we do that's not competitive and you have to do that. And you know what I, when I, Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis, with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Early on, you know, we used to always run the losers, and what I found is we really got it going, and we emphasized and emphasized it. I didn't have to do that anymore. Our guys were pissed off if they got beat, and didn't have to run them. They were already mad enough. At making them run for fun, <laughs> if it wasn't. Sure. You didn't need. To. I mean, and that, and that's when you, that's when you know that what you're trying to establish has been established, and your guys are bought in because they're competing like crazy in everything you do and that's and that's that makes for that makes for really healthy basketball practices and makes for a really good basketball team in do
0: opinion. you sense that that that's kind of a key to a successful program because so I don't think that happens in every program. I think if you have fifteen competitors in your program and you're you're going to have great practices, is that underemphasized these days from what you see, or is that something that a coach just has to take hold of right and you got to get it done
1: yeah i mean I, to me, it's just, it's critical. I mean, I, we our guys didn't have any choice. I mean, that's the one thing. When you get guys who are competitive and they buy in, if you have if you have some guys who aren't, they are going to hate life because if you want to go over and pick up a ball, and the next thing you know, some guy's diving on the floor, knocking you on your butt. That ain't fun. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they, they either have to adapt to how you're going to play, or or they're not going to make it, and. Once you kind of get your culture established that's just the way you do things you don't have a choice I mean you really do not have a choice you know you're you better get on the floor or you know I tell our guys you get hurt when you don't play hard right. that's when you get hurt when you hey i'm not I'm gonna go easy I'm not gonna get hurt now that's when you do get hurt and our guys not to be dirty they're not dirty but they're gonna die they're gonna they're gonna block you out hard every time you know th- those types of things that are you know that are kind of our staple that it at least it forces kids who aren't like that it forces them to be like that if they want to make it
0: yeah absolutely that's part of your culture right I mean, is that is that those are key staples of your culture correct um
1: yeah exactly yeah and that's and that's who you are that's that's what that's what your program is and that's easy. and then the, and the kids either adapt to that or or they don't make right
0: it. and that's taken.
1: And most kids dad, Most kids, most kids want to coached hard, and they sure. see others doing it. It's just kind of—it's kind of natural they do it.
0: And that's don't you? I know it sounds kind of crazy. Isn't that the fun part of competing? I mean, everybody talks about fun, and you know we're going to turn the music on, which, which I think is good. The fun part, man, is competing and getting better, right?
1: Oh, without a doubt. But that's—that's that's the whole idea: the, the the thrill of the competition. That's, that's why we make every drill competitive. That's to me, that's fun. Now our guys tell, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie and say,
0: Oh yeah, that's <laughs> fun. no,
1: but I mean, but, but that's what they do. They compete and they like competing. I mean, you know, they get mad, you know, our, our managers keep scoring stuff. Like we're doing our two V two blockout drill. You know, they, they get the score, you know, you know point for a D board or point for an O board and point for a put back. They get the score wrong. They're yelling. They're they're on our managers about it and stuff. Like and to me, you know, not, and not to be disrespectful or man, that's how I'm talking about, but they want to win it's competitive. And that's – I mean, when you play basketball, I mean, there's a lot of great things you're trying to do. But when you're out there actually coaching the game, the ultimate goal is to win the game. And you want your guys to be as competitive as possible, and that's thats what they're trying to accomplish. And
0: and your 2v2 blockout uh, – I'm stealing all these drills from you, Coach, man. You're going to – you're going to – you're going to – you're going to get invoice, no, I think, no, pretty soon. Um, but talk to me about the 2v2 blockout because – uh, this year we were not yeah. as good blocking out this year as we have been in the past, but uh, give me, give me some hints on how to be a great blockout team. Yeah.
1: And, and, and the way we do that, I'll just start <coughs> with that drill. So we'll you know divide up, we'll divide up into two teams, you know, eight on each team, whatever it might be. And coaches at the free throw line and two offensive players, one minute on the clock, one minute on the clock, two offensive players on each elbow, Defenders are on the baseline. Coach shoots it. And I block out the guy in front of me. My partner blocks out the guy in front of him. Defensive rebound with a good outlet's a point for the D. Offensive rebound is a point with an immediate putback, the chance to get two. And we go for a minute. And then we switch it. Offense goes to defense. Each both teams switch and we go for a minute. We switch it again. And this time we go cross block out. So now I'm blocking out the guy on the opposite. Um, okay. Elbow. And, and then we do that for a minute and then we switch it again and we do one more minute of cross block out. So you get four minutes of blockout. We get it in and, you know, I, I think I have five minutes on my practice plan, but we get it in, you know, in less than five minutes and it, it's really good. And it's competitive. So it's all get out. Uh, you keep score and, um, you know, it, it's it's I, that's how, that's that's a drill. That's my favorite drill to teach. That our block and then our our you know teaching philosophies. We do, we talk a lot about. We call it right. hit and get. So not the, not the idea necessarily. Where you run out there and you stick your booty into them and stuff. But we tell our guys if you can just get your elbow and not dirty, just keep it into your body. But if you can hit them, and now they're behind you, wherever that ball goes. You're in front of that guy you should be able to go get it you've got the advantage to get it now but you got to hit him you can't just go part way out but you've got to go hit him all right and then keep him out and then you go get the ball now if it's right underneath the bucket you know post type stuff then we got to try to drive somebody out but in that open floor we talk a lot about hitting and getting you know sprint to hit sometimes go hit that guy and then go get the basketball and that's 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 our basic terminology sprint to hit or sprint to me hit to get and that's what we'll do all the time i mean make contact and then go get them yeah
0: i love that and do you feel the pursuit of the rebound is more important than the blockout or works hand in hand well
1: yeah i i mean no i you have to to us you have to make contact and once you put that guy there you don't have to hold that block out once you put him behind you you should be able to get to the ball faster and he shouldn't be able to get to the basketball in in most situations you know now ball might take a crazy out, whatever but you should be able to get to it in most situations once you put him behind you I don't think you need to hold that block out we want it and, and hold it hold it we want you to go get the basketball and once you put the guy behind you go get the ball
0: yeah hit and get hit and get absolutely hit, hit. And we, <laughs> we <played a> <laughs> exactly it's what you <laughs> emphasize no doubt um We play against a lot of athletic teams that are quicker than us and bigger than us. Um, We really try to lock down blockouts, but our pursuits are not quick enough because we're playing against a more athletic team. What do you suggest?
1: Well, I mean, to me, that's the same. I mean, that's the same. Sometimes it's hard to get out of that blockout position to go get something. I mean, that's why I like kind of hitting and getting. You're making contact and holding that guy out. A girl out, whatever just for a second, and then you're kind of in pursuit to get the ball um, but that gets down to you know kind of some that gets down to your toughness and your desire like how how important is it to you to get that rebound i mean because to us we 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 hit the offensive of glass like crazy, and I know a lot of programs uh, you know the n b a shoot they't hardly really send anybody to the offensive of glass anymore college teams a lot of them send them three yeah. or four back, but a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of my stuff on that is this from Tom Izzo. To me, an offensive rebound is and a back is those that's almost as damaging as a charge or something along those lines. And if you get three or four of those a game, man, those are difference makers. Um, so I don't know what the heck I was talking about, but oh, so but I mean, so to to us, if you, if you don't hit us, we're sending guys to the glass, and I'll have a coach every day at practice, I mean. The only thing I say rebound. That's all I want you to focus on today. Going to the offensive glass, and and he's going to focus on yelling at those guys all day long about that. And it's not it's not a natural thing for kids to do. I mean, but God, if you get good at it, man, it gives you a lot of extra possessions. It gives you a lot of easy shots. Uh, It just makes the game a lot easier. And we, you know, what over my 20 years, we were rarely we were rarely ever hurt by sending four guys to the glass. There's a few teams occasionally where we might have to send two back because they were hurting us in transition, but very rarely can I think – and this is against some really good athletic teams where sending four ever really hurt us.
0: Yeah, and are you – so what's the technique? I mean, you're sending four. Number one, that's hard to block out, number one, if you're doing it consistently. But when they get possession, are you kind of matching up right there to slow them down or – how do you, how's your transition defense from that?
1: Yeah, we we talk a lot about our transition. well, and <laughs> I don't know if you have any real something I would call great technique <laughs> is basically coaches like, you like, get your you know get back. But those we we talk a lot about the first 3 steps defensively and offensively. Uh, you know, your first 3 steps in transition are going to determine everything. And, and I don't care if the guy you're guarding is jogging back on offense you better be sprinting because who knows what somebody else is doing. And the same thing we do offensively, sprint the floor offensively and put pressure on the defense because any good, you know, our defense is a lot better when we're set up defensively. You know, we, if we get a chance to set up, you know, we're going to be solid or you have a chance to hurt us or any good defense is in transition. So what we try to do is this, we talk about your first three steps, you have to sprint. Because if you get back and I'll take my chances in the half-court, if we can stop you in transition and make you face our half-court defense, which we work on for over an hour every single day, I like my chances. You know, And, and so we, a lot of it, we just talk those first three steps, sprint back. And it's the same thing we say on offense. Your first three steps need to be a sprint. It doesn't matter if you think you're going to be open or not. Even if you think you're not going to be open, you're sprinting for your teammate. You know you sprinting might get you it might not get you the shot, but it's gonna get your teammate the shot same thing on transition defense you know it might not be your man in scoring, but you sprinting back is gonna prevent somebody else's man from scoring that's that's why it's a team game yeah,
0: that's part of your toughness right i mean sprinting i mean some kids think they're oh. sprinting coach, but it's not even close until they see it on tape how bad it is um so do you um
1: without, yeah. without a doubt without a doubt i mean it's it's how hard you have to run on, on, on defense and offensive transition, kids have no idea. no and yet and it's not something you're just going to tell them or even show them once. It's just got to be emphasized over and over and over and over. Yeah,
0: absolutely uh, and you really have to work on it. Do you think that just from a coach that's done a lot of clinics and you've been around the game for a while, that part of the game's probably neglected, right? defensive transition, don't you agree? I mean its something that you really have to focus on
1: yeah I think so i mean the thing uh, like the thing the thing I've noticed a lot lately is is, is a lot of and, and great coaches and great teams just aren't sending that many to the to the office of glass anymore so they're you know and i i I assume part of that's because they think their defense is so good that they're you know they think if they can get their defense set up it's going to be hard for you to score on them so they don't even risk it you know i i said to us, I can think of very few teams that ever forced us to send two back on defense all the time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but that also takes a lot of time to practice teaching those four, even though you're going to the glass hard, you better be, that doesn't mean you're not sprinting back on defense because you are, or you're, or you're going to be sitting by me. Um, so, I mean, it's, I, 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 I yeah, I, I don't think it's emphasized <clears throat> enough. Uh, and I think some coaches have kind of just quit on it because they, I shouldn't say quit on. I think they've determined that by giving up. You know, even though they're not going to get some easy offensive putbacks, possibly, they're the other team is going to have to face their defense with five guys set every single time, and they and they like their chances doing that. I like my chances of that too, but I also think we can hit the gar, gra, excuse me, the glass super hard and still get back and make you face our five guys. Yeah, teams. it
0: does, and that's probably that why sense. you won three state championships because I, I went to the. Uh, I think, I think offensive rebounding, the putbacks are the difference. I watched all seven divisions of our state championships this year and not a single team shot the ball. Well, coach, not a single team, girls and boys. So offensive rebounding's key, man. That's yeah. second, third shots. To me, that's number one. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Those are their, their back breakers. The other coach is pissed off at his guys when that happens, yeah, those those are those are momentum changing plays, and when you get in state play, where you know you assume that the scores are going to be closer and stuff like that, man, possessions where you get offensive putbacks, they make a difference. Possessions where you get two or three, you know, possessions at a time, they make a difference. And little things, you know, at the at that top level, those little things are what's going to win. Yeah,
0: I totally sports. agree. And the, and the girls' level coach, the average girls' team is. Well, the good ones are probably thirty-five, maybe forty percent at best from the field. There's a lot of missed shots, <laughs> so I mean, offensive rebound. You want all, yeah. all your good girls, coaches, so, man. There, you got to crash the boards. And I know really good ones that send five.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's what I mean. I mean, if you know that they're going to shoot at that level, then why <laughs> wouldn't that be some you your sure. guys every day? Off the glass, and and once again, I think that's you know, as a coach you know, cause I, I, you know, i worked for some coaches earlier where, you know, you kind of sit around at practice and you don't really do much. You know, I, I think one thing as a head coach, you've got to empower your assistant coaches. You've got to make them a part of, you know, where they, they care as much as you do. I mean, they, they love the program. They love the kids and they feel like they're playing a role that they're doing a lot of stuff and you've got to, you've got to delegate and you've got to trust them. I mean, and as I got older, you know, I, you know, I almost became a little bit more like a football coach where, you know, I had some, I had a coach who did all of our inbound plays, you know, and, and I let him go with it. And I had a coach who you know, did a lot of our offensive stuff and I let him go with it. Uh, I had a coach who did a lot of our scouting, let him go with it. And when you do that, it, it makes them it become better coaches. It makes your staff stronger. It makes your staff care more. And, you know, and then when you do drills, you know, like, some guy's going to work on offense and rebound while the other guy's working on D your kids are getting coached up at a much higher level and they're hearing more voices, which I think is good because I know a lot <laughs> of coaches like they're working on shell drill and there's no offensive instruction at all during that. Well, to me, that's a waste of, you know, 12 minutes or 14 minutes, whatever it is, you're doing it, you know, cause you had, you have, you had 12 minutes where you might've got better at shell, but you also had 12 minutes there where you should have got better offensively too which is going to make you better off play, and it's also going to make your defense better because the offense is better. So that, I don't know, this kind of just something I really believe in for young coaches is get people. If they understand the game is great, if they don't teach them and then, get uh, in, you know, entitled and a part of the program, and that's going to make you better. It's going to make your team better.
0: Yeah. And I, I love how, cause coach Rippey was saying the same thing is that he actually has his son, I think coaching with him now. Um, and he gives his son so much responsibility. It's actually helped him out that he doesn't have to speak as much, and he's getting more done.
1: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, you know, yeah, you don't have. Yeah, other coaches cover it, and and your players, you know, believe in those other coaches because they know they have power. They're not just some lowly assistant. They're to speak. They, you know, that's why I tell our guys, you know, when the freshman year on, any of these guys coaching, you, you get a chance. You better accept it because that's. They're they're all coaches. I I don't consider myself a varsity head coach. I mean, we're all we're all the same goal. The freshman coach, you know, the freshman J, the freshman assistant coach, up to me, the the goal is the same. You know, it's that to, to make each and every kid better, and then to hopefully have a championship program when those guys are all done.
0: Yeah, you said a lot right there, coach. Because from what I noticed with the state championship teams now here in Georgia, there's a lot of good talent out here. Um, they're loaded with really good assistance. I mean, the girls' team, Buford, that I know the head coach, he's got two college coaches that are retired on his staff. He's not stupid. No. Um, yeah. He can get so much done. I mean, don't, don't you believe in that? Oh,
1: without a doubt. And, and when you're young sometimes <clears> – <throat> when you're a young coach sometimes, it's hard to do because – You know, you think somebody's coming in the gym and the assistant coach is doing more coaching than you are at that time or, and you're worried about, you know, you're the head coach and egos and stuff like that. I mean, you got to have some confidence in yourself to do this. I mean, you, once you have confidence in yourself and you believe in what you're doing, that's when you're really going to be able to turn your assistant coaches loose and feel comfortable with it. Um, And, you know, the other thing you mentioned too about that, you know, about, the coach having college coaches, are, you know, helping, man, there's a lot of ex-coaches out there, you know, who maybe have retired, have gotten involved you know, and, sure. and obviously if you live in bigger cities and stuff, it's easier, but man, give them a chance to come, you know, just have them come to your practice and say, Hey, I'd, I'd like you to scout us. Like you were scouting us for a game. What'd you see about our practices, the pace with the drills, you know, what kids did, to, you know, somebody couldn't use their left, whatever it might be just get another voice and let them maybe talk to your kids or even let them come, you know, do some things at practice. Use them, man. I mean, I, they like to stay involved. You know, it gives them a sense of, you know, they're still part of it. And, and I, I think it's always important to give back and stuff like that, but I think there's a lot for you to learn and it's, it just gives you a different set of eyes. Even if it's just for, you know, a Saturday or Sunday, they come in and watch and, and tell you what they think something, you know, it's something else to, to listen to and consider and to, and to take into account.
0: Yeah and it, and I like you said before I I think it's hard for a young coach but I think a good AD is going to set his young coach up with good assistants that are loyal uh but that's that's part of that's part of being part of a good program I'm not sure if every place does that um but you're right though I think it's important to be humble enough right as a head coach to yes. go yeah get, I mean it's humility I think, but I think it's great for your program. You're right.
1: Yeah, it's humility, in it, but it's also you having some self confidence—not cocky, but self confidence—to believe that you know you can have ideas from others, and you don't have to be—you're not a dictator. You know, it, it's you're going to listen to different ideas, and you know, I mean, we've had some, we've had some coaches meetings with my staff where we're kind of knock out, drag out sessions, you know, and but that's what I want. I don't want somebody just to say, "Yes, Coach Blossom." Yes, 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 yes. I don't need that. I want somebody to challenge. Coach, I don't think that's going to work. I think we need to do this, and we'll argue it out. And and I tell them at the beginning of the year, and they know <coughs> that we'll argue it out, and we'll yell and cuss at you a little bit. But you know what? When we leave that room, we're on the same page.
0: Yeah, on the same page. Yes,
1: on that same page, and that's all they see. But I mean, you don't want just an assistant, yes, guy. You want somebody <coughs> to challenge you. Hey, coach, man, how about if we try this? Or what do you think about this? That's what you want on the sideline, and you know. Says Coach Stalker was with you all those years, he was always in my ear. And I didn't agree with, you know, everything he said. But it's still – it's a different idea, you know, and it's something to think about because that game is fast, as, as coaches know. I mean, it's not – I said, there's no huddles. It just keeps coming. <laughs> having somebody put some ideas in your ear just a little bit, I, I think that's always beneficial. And you don't want – and you want somebody who has some different ideas at times, not just, you know – to say what you you know they think they want you to hear, but to, to give you different ideas and bat it off of you. Yeah, so
0: that's, that's yeah. great advice, Coach. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think you know coaches listening really have to heed that advice because um, you. I I think that's extremely important to have great assistance. I think if you're doing it by yourself, it's going to be really really tough. Um, coach, you seem like a great practice coach. Um, And I I love your intensity just by seeing some practice videos. I love coaches. I really believe that intensity is so important for coaches and everybody has different levels of intensity, but if you're not passionate and intense, you're not going to get your point across. Right. So talk a little bit about your, your intensity and how that can transform to a good, really good practice.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's everything. I mean, that's just, I can't think of a day where I didn't have energy at practice even and and all coaches. I mean, you know, you have a bad day in the classroom, whatever, but you've, you've got, when it comes to practice, you have to give your hour and a half hours, whatever it is, you've got to brain it. You know, we, you know, you see all those things where, you know, the guys who can't have a bad practice are the head coach and the point guard, or, you know, your best defender, whatever it might be, but you set the tone for everybody. And, you know, if you're if you don't have that energy and excitement and and all that for every day, then you can't expect your your players to have that. And to me, that uh, I knew when that when that horn sounded, I had to brain it. And to me, that's just – Now, that's also my style. I mean, that's kind of you know I'm kind of a high energy type guy. I mean, I think coaches are pretty quiet, or also. Very demanding to get a ton out of their kids, but yet, yet, sure. well, I Matt, mean, you have you have to coach to your style of person. If you're not a yell, just start yelling and screaming. Be who be who you are. You can be successful. Be who you are, but be consistent in who you are, and that's that's what I try to do every day.
0: And coach, give me give me a breakdown. So how does how does Coach Jay Blossom run a practice? I know you can't go in detail and everything, but give me kind of a breakdown and give me—you already gave me some great drills already, but give me kind of a breakdown of some key drills and or how you formulate your practice.
1: Yeah, so we get we well, we used to get out of school at, at two thirty-five. So right at two thirty-five, I would put fifteen minutes on the clock, which means our guys didn't have a whole lot of time. But when they came out of um, do uh, Clips, you know, where you just flip the ball out And we do footwork And we do footwork, and I, to me You can't do enough footwork, and we would do footwork Footwork, 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 footwork. we might work On post fees on the other end um, You know, we might work on some You know, dribbling through some cone type stuff Boom, the horn would sound Right into Drills then uh, Pretty competitive, and, and what I found later in the year, we would do a lot of 4v4v4, which is kind of like mass chaos. But it was a great way to kind of get the energy up at practice. And we might do that for eight minutes. And it was crazy. I mean, we would press and steal it and press again. And, you know, guys were running everywhere. We'd do that. And then we'd go into our agilities. And I always had an assistant in charge of agilities. we do five to eight minutes of agilities, uh stretching stuff. And to me, that was a great chance because be, I was going crazy in those first things. It gave me a chance just to kind of, you know, talk to some of the guys as they were walking on in- agilities individually. Hey, how was school today? Hey, I talked to Mr. Jones. He said he had a rough first hour. Just kind of talk to your kids, pat them on the butt, stuff like that. And then we would call them together, you know, hey, together, and we would go right into our defensive stuff. And he almost always started with some type of zigzag, one v one defensive stuff into our shell, into our blockouts, into our rotation drills, uh, into our transition defensive drills, and we would do that all the way up, probably for an hour, and then we would have our offensive defensive shooting breakdowns. And I had coaches in charge of the posts, and we and I'd have coaches in charge of the guards, and that gave me a chance to kind of regroup a little bit. Uh, Get my thoughts together, and I would just kind of watch both of them, and and then when that was done, we would go to kind of our offensive uh, breakdown stuff or offensive stuff, our team stuff, full court type stuff, and then we would finish, call them together, and then we would, you know, when we broke, then usually we would have post practice where our guys could work with coaches on you know whatever skills it is they wanted to work on, and that's kind of and that was pretty much what we did every single day.
0: Did you um, did you adjust that at all over the years? So let's say let's say today you're just going to focus on, you know, putting in your press. You're just going to focus on your defense, uh, or you're pretty consistent on that type ta- on those breakdowns every day. I was really
1: consistent on that, and my manager, okay. I I had stuff down to the minute. I was I was probably a little OCD on that. I mean, I had <laughs> I mean I had stuff down to the minute. So let's say we're gonna I don't know. We're going to put in a 2-2-1 press. I might have 30 minutes for it that day. Well, when we were done, even if we hadn't accomplished it yet, to me, that's a long time for my guys. Because on something like that, you're doing more instruction instead of just really getting busy with it at first. To me, that's a lot of those guys listening. And I think we lose kind of of some of our speed and our mojo in practice. It there and make a note to myself and come back to it tomorrow. Because I think sometimes you can beat a dead horse if you just keep stay with something for such a long period of time. So I I told my manager we're staying on that practice plan.
0: And that when it hits zero, sound
1: the horn and boom, I'm going to the next drill. And if I got to come back tomorrow, the next day, whatever, and start over or reemphasize things, I'll do it. Because, <clears throat> but to me, after a while, you're. I said I think you're just beating a dead horse with some of that stuff.
0: That's a great point, coach. Because I think the hardest times to the coach is when you're actually going like a five on your team, you know, explaining your offense, explaining your defense. And I think, don't you agree, your best coaches, boy, they, they explain it one time and that's it. And then yeah. they, they don't give a lot. And, you coach, yeah.
1: and, and, and we coach on the go a lot. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, that, that's one thing as you develop a staff, you know, you, know, you can take a guy out. And not, not if you're going to punch them, take them out and say, listen, this is what I want you to do. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Boom. You put them right back in. Sure. You don't have to stop practice for every single mistake. And, and that's something we really try to get. We try not to stop practice. We try to take them out. make it. You know, you teach in. I would say I, I teach them bullet points. I mean, I, I'm not going to. I see a lot of coaches I go watch, and, and they're great coaches. They know probably a lot more about basketball than I do. But they also seem to share all of that with their guys. And that's, that makes for a long, boring practice. And to be honest, their guys really don't give a crap <laughs> that he knows all that sure. much. I mean, they, I mean, it's just, you know, So I think teaching them bullet points, it, it's easier for the kids to remember, and, 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 and they'll do better with it. It's like a coach who calls timeout, and then they go through like 25 things in the timeout. Well, the only thing the kid heard was maybe the first thing he said and maybe the last two things. But if you went through all that other stuff, there's, there ain't no way that remembering all that. So you better teach them bullet points and emphasize what's important to you, and that's it.
0: That's a great point. I have one coach tell me one time, he says, Coach, teach your kids like it's Twitter, just quick, sharp, and not like paragraphs. And I said, well, that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So I mean, kids are basically living off tweets.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, that's how they learn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how they learn. And that's, you if, if you tell them the whole paragraph that it, it's, they're going to get bits and pieces and that's not what you want. You want it to be, you know, give them a, a teaching point and then, and give them teaching points that they can remember and will always be with them that when, when they're doing, you know, a skill or whatever, that, that they'll, re, that it, it, they're going to retain it.
0: Right, that's a great point. And do you quiz uh, your players? Because I, what we do in our program is um, we always quiz and test our players. For example, we'll give them ideas, and we'll teach them our key points, and boom, I'll stop practice, call a timeout, and I'll quiz them right there to just check on their 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 learning capabilities if they're remembering it. What do you think about that?
1: I, I like that idea. I've, I've never done that. I, I mean, I've seen Yeah, – I've had coaches – Do tests and stuff like that on different things like that. I've seen that before. I've just, I've, I just never done that, Uh, but I I do like that idea of doing that. I mean, I I see some benefit of doing that. You know, gives you and I. I I've seen coaches do stuff like that, and I've also seen them. You know, where they rate who they think the best player is, who the best shooter is. I I never did any of those things, even though I think it'd be kind of interesting to see the answer sometimes. Uh, But I, you know, I personally, I just never did those things. But I, I do see some advantages of doing that I mean I always found that I could kind of tell pretty quickly who knew what the hell we were doing and who did just on the floor you know what I mean
0: yeah and 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 kind of not not as much the written test that we do it's almost something quick have them go to something else and then quickly come back and say okay let's run out pass cut whatever and then they have to do without any explanation
1: yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because you could yeah, you just go over something over and over right then, but then thirty seconds later you do something else and you come back to that and they can't do it. Yeah, I like that idea. No, I think that's a I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Because then it's not, you know, it's not the first thing on their mind. How did they retain it? You just tell them to re- that's like when you're trying to teach some play or something like that.
0: Hey coach. Okay. I'm back. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, Hey, yeah. But yeah, I love what you were saying. I think we're kind of in agreement on uh, teaching, going to something different and then coming back just to kind of see uh, what their mindset is. Are they really learning what you're trying to teach?
1: Yeah. It's just like teaching the classroom. Like it's, it's hard to be. Kids don't do really very well with listening to an hour lecture anymore. Right. that's why I think, you know, like you talked about, you know, the coach, I, I like that. Talking like you're talking to Twitter, you know, short little bits, you know, I call it, you know, coaching and bullet points and stuff like that. I think that's how kids respond. I think that's how they remember things. And plus, you know, you're not trying to overload them on, you know, one thing, you know, I, Quinn Snyder, when he was at Mizzou, I got <clears throat> so much unbelievable information from him when he was at Mizzou and he was a young coach. And I think he would probably say it too, but he, he, he taught, he knew, he knew so much and he taught so much, but I I think he turned some great athletes into thinkers. And that's why I think, you know, you you don't want to overburden your guys with, with stuff like that. You want to keep it, you want to keep the game fairly simple for him so you can let great athletes be great athletes. Um, And everything he was teaching was great. I mean, I learned a lot, but I, but I also think if you overburden your guys with too much, then they become thinkers. And if you're a thinker, you're not going to react as fast to anything. And that's that's a problem, I think.
0: That's a great point. That, do you think he made those adjustments now? I mean, he's considered one of the best in the NBA right now with Utah. Of course, right now, without, without his two best players, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But um, do you think he's improved as a coach and maybe made some oh, adjustments to that?
1: I, I think he's one of the best coaches around. I thought he was one of the best coaches then. I decided. I mean, sir, he taught me stuff that. Uh, I mean, he his basketball mind is out of this world, man. I mean, he's his understanding of the game and, and all those types of things was was high high level. Then I think, but I think he's matured. I think. Hey, coach. I think he's yeah. doing one of the best jobs in the NBA, um, without a doubt. So you know, I, I couldn't be happier for him.
0: And my co- coach, my, my last question is this. I know we've it's, a, it's just been a, a great, great interview, and I appreciate all the time that you've taken to give us a, a lot of great advice. Give me one last piece of advice you can offer a new kit, new coach coming in, whether that's a resources available, how he can manage his time. What, what is what's a, gr- a great piece of advice you can give a new coach who's going to be going into a new job maybe coming up this summer?
1: Yeah, I mean, and we've talked a little bit about it before. I just think the sooner you can find and believe in your philosophy and implement it, the better off you're going to be. And especially today with the internet and coaching videos, and you can get you can get brilliant at you all day long during the school. Sure. And you can overwhelm yourself with some of that stuff. Eliminate that stuff. And then – you know, hey, if you're going to be a man-to-man guy, just look at some of those teaching points in that thing and become, you know, kiss. You know, keep it simple, stupid. Less less is more. It, it's easy to say, but it's so hard to do. But if you can force yourself to do that and get really good at a few things, I think you have a much better chance to be a very successful coach. And I, I to me, that's that's critical because you can't do everything. And when you start to do that, you start to be just average or below average at everything and that gets you beat. Uh, that would be my, my number one thing. And then also, I think, you know, we talked about use resources, you know, ask questions, ask ex coaches, you know, get people on your side that you trust that can mentor you and, and help you Because there's a lot of ex coaches out there who, who want to help out and want to stay involved and, and would love to help you.
0: Yeah, and well, of course I'm, I'm hoping they listen to my podcast because I got great coaches like yourself on for free, um, and coaches. Matter of fact, I know for you, if a coach called you that listened to the podcast, you would probably sit down with it for with an hour with them and probably help them out. You got to find really good coaches that have done it, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah, and I mean, once you're a coach, you're a coach, man. You're you're still mm-hmm. thinking. You're thinking ball a lot, even though I've been out of it this year. I think about basketball every single day. Yeah, there's coaches out there. They'll share things with you. They'll give you ideas. They'll tell you what they think. Doesn't mean you have to use it all. I mean, you might not even like any of it. It'll, you might talk to a coach and think, you know what? I don't know, That was all crap. But, you know, hell, that reinforces what you believe in your own program. So, I mean, I just think things like that are um, – yeah, coaches like that are, are invaluable to you. Take advantage of it. I mean, you learn some things, maybe you'll things that you think you're doing way better than what you were doing them than others. I mean, I uh I don't know. I, I think I I think people don't, you know, I think coaches don't take advantage of that. And some of it I think is fear and intimidation that, you know, that person is more experienced and they're gonna look like they're an inferior coach because of doing that. You gotta have self-confidence, you gotta believe in yourself, you know. You got the job because you're good, you know, but now you you don't want to stay the same. You want to continue to grow as a coach, even the great coaches continue to grow every, every single day, every single year uh, that they coach.
0: Yeah. That's awesome advice. I think you said it. You have to believe in yourself. Um, and sometimes believing in yourself is you have to go outside your comfort zone um, and learn. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got to get better. Yes. Coach, Thank you so much. I mean, if somebody wanted to contact you, I, I'll have your email. I'll have your Twitter account. Uh, online on for for the podcast, but what's the best way to reach you?
1: Yeah, you can call me on the phone too. I, I, I that's not a problem. My cell number is three one four four seven seven eight two two one. And then call me anytime. I, I said I love talking hoops, and I you know I can send you drills, and I can talk to you about stuff or whatever it might be. Uh, said I love helping out coaches, and I had a lot of people. I was fortunate enough to have a lot of people help me when I was young, and even as I got older. So um, anybody wants. Advice, help, or whatever. I'm
0: I'm here for him. Coach, thank you so much, man. You're really truly a treasure to uh to us coaches and you're I appreciate you sharing the game. I think you got five hundred more wins in you.
1: Well, we'll see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate it and uh, wish you the best and uh stay healthy out there in Missouri. All right, thanks, Kevin.
1: good luck to you guys here in the future and uh, stuff like that. Appreciate you having me uh, on. Thanks, Jay. You bet. Take care, man.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye. there you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star, on no. Hey, Coach. This is Brad Shutter calling from Plymouth, Wisconsin. I want to thank you for doing the podcast. I've learned a lot from it. Um, I am an elementary FIAD teacher and a girls basketball coach, so we have a lot in common. I like the fact that you um, do a mix of both the FIAD teachers and the coaches as well. Um, Keep up the great work, um, and once again, appreciate um, all you do to grow the game. Thanks.